0: Are listening to the episode 14 of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empower you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm Francine Beley, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. Are you at a point in life where you are looking for more meaning in your work and in your life? Make more money and lead a movement to change the world? Let's have a chat. Go to www.francinebelli.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. And click on request a call button for more information. Today, I'm thrilled to discuss with one of the pioneers of the British digital world, Penny Power. She is an entrepreneur, a community builder, a professional speaker and author. She founded eAcademy, the first online business community, back in 1998 for which she was awarded an OBE. I was a member of Academy uh, when LinkedIn wasn't a thing yet, and I admired what Penny and her husband, Thomas Power, have built. Um, In this conversation, Penny opens up and tells me about the reality behind the glamour, what we never get to see behind the shiny side um, that is put forward, and why she decided to talk openly about it now. She also tells me the unplanned circumstances that led her to go into business and how an encounter with a young child developed her passion for helping others. She also shares why she and her husband are passionate about building great networks of entrepreneurs and how they went from being valued at 22 million pounds to zero with three young kids to feed and the surprising lessons learned. She also tells me how she realized that the online world was causing isolation and mental health issues and why she has decided to talk about the hardship that entrepreneur actually journey gives from a mental and emotional point of view. Penny believes that we should treat one another in business with kindness and create safe places to feel like we can be ourselves. Um, If you are going through some tough time at the moment or feel isolated, this open and honest conversation will reunite you as Penny shares countless food for thought. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Penny. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Thank you. Wonderful to be here with you. Okay, good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have been following you uh, and your business for more than 10 years now. Can you believe that? Uh, and especially when you started e-academy uh, and uh, with your husband, Thomas. Um, so I know that you have tons and tons of achievements and uh, with e-academy actually and uh, Digital Youth Academy, um and uh, business cafe uh but you know i'd like you to fill the gap and tell me what is your background before you started to do all those things and what you are currently doing
1: so um it's lovely when you were talking to me earlier you were saying your three m's meaning mo- money and movement which i completely relate to i think that's a great um Thing. And I, I guess I wasn't really planning to go into business when I started out in uh, employment. I went into business just to help me get through a year so that I could go to uni. And I really wanted to go more into the sort of vocational world of supporting people. But when I went into the um, IT industry at 19. I was very fortunate. I had a good boss who seemed to allow me to be a bit quirky in my role in sales. And I was always very relationship and emotionally driven in business. And I didn't go to uni in the end. And I, I developed a career very early on with a very strong sense of who I was because I'd been given permission to be that person right from the beginning. Um, And so when I was 33 and I was a mum of um, three young children, I I chose entrepreneurship as I wanted to find that flexible way of working and the internet was a very exciting time. But also um, Thomas and I could really see that there was a a deep sense of isolation was gonna happen because of the internet. You know, it was obviously gonna be a massive growth in startups and people being able to work from home and remotely. And that's really fantastic. But you know the byproduct of something like that would be the level of isolation um, that people would have. And so that's why we gave birth to the Academy. And uh, it was very emotionally driven. Um, so I suppose I've always been in IT and then that took us very much into the digital world and trailblazing the concept of friendship in business, which we started in 98, four years before LinkedIn and six years before Facebook. So it was very exciting. And that's obviously yeah. where we met. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> so, and uh,
0: currently, what are you doing now? So, since Academy and uh, now, where, what, what
1: are you focusing your energy on? So, Thomas and I just have always loved empowering business owners. You know, I think the, whether you call them a small business or a self-employed or solopreneur or entrepreneur, whatever term people like, you know, these are the bravest of people. Um, and the diversity of skills, connections, they need but also the mental strength they need which comes from you know being belonging to great networks we think uh, belonging to great groups of people that validate you as a person Mm. so now um the thomas's since academy's had some fantastic non-executive director roles and really helped to support the board um and i have done a couple of other businesses and and now We're both very focused on how we can empower business owners through um, a mastermind group and through coaching and mentoring. Um, And that's our, I suppose, our day to day world. And then on the other side, I'm still hoping to build another scalable business called the Business Cafe, which is putting cafes on the high street just for business people.
0: Yeah, I love that business cafe, actually. I think you started that, right? You didn't start uh, that as a pilot?
1: Yeah, we've only started it very remotely. It's very much an online thing at the moment, which isn't the dream. It's an online community on Facebook, and we're building a a, a skills platform. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we want it to be an offline cafe. But I think the world has to Um, get past this obsession with co-working spaces because all the investors and everybody, it's a bit like everybody got obsessed with LinkedIn and didn't realize the importance of friendship. Yeah. You just got to, you got to wait till the time's right. And we think 2020, the time might be right for us to start finding the investors and really powering on with uh, the investment in this concept. So until then we're focused in on empowering business people more, you know, on a one-to-one or mastermind basis. Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: um and you are also an author and then you wrote uh three books i think or perhaps more i don't know Uh, i know about three at least um so and then your last one is called business is personal and uh can you tell me a little bit more about your key one one why did you choose or you know uh
1: decided to write this third book and you know the key message yeah um You know, I've always evangelized this online world, and but it to me it's always been about how does it positively impact your life. And then, really, about two or three years ago, the whole mental health aspect of the online world started to have a light shone on it, you know, particularly around teenagers. But when I started researching, it from a small business point of view, I realized that it, it, it was causing more isolation, but it was also creating some mental health issues around anxiety and what a psychologist I met called Compare and Despair, where we can sit at home working incredibly hard as business owners and then we go online and we don't necessarily see the real impression of how people are doing because everybody puts their shiny side forward and when we've got a 360 degree view of our lives, our business and our personal lives, and the very noisy dialogue that goes on inside our head where we never feel we're doing enough or being enough, I started to find that there was a real issue there. So I, I looked into this and met with, did some, met with some incredible people, psychologists, and discussed this and did some research and opened up myself to how I have found the entrepreneur journey quite tough from a mental and emotional point of view and decided it actually wouldn't it be quite nice that if somebody who's relatively well known I mean I'm not a a huge celebrity I'm not tv celebrity but I'm so I'm relatively well known if I open up how hard I have found the emotional mental journey maybe it would help other people feel um less abnormal in their own journey and I think if, you, if, the, if there's a line of normal and below it you feel subnormal and above it you feel exceptional, maybe if I make some stuff feel more normal, it's easier for people to get to the exceptional. Um, and so I've just been very open and very honest in it about my own journey of discovery, of knowing how to manage my own personality and character in a very tough, very competitive, very transparent world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really brilliant. And uh, I th- I'm sure that uh,
0: during um, when we're going to reach the resources, you're going to give us the link and where we can find that book, actually. I think that is very important because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, as you say, it can be very isolated, you know, and as you say, you- instagram fame where people only put their best foot forwards you know you don't know what else is going on you only see some instant moment. yeah um yeah so um also you have um you know receive also uh, an obe or is it an obe yes, for people who are not british can you explain what that
1: is <laughs> um so it stands for order <laughs> of the british empire mm-hmm. and um It's an award given by the Queen, and you get nominated for somebody by somebody for it. And I believe I was nominated. Do you know who who nominated you? Well, I believe it was the business minister at the time. Uh This was in 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was awarded for Academy for the contribution we made to entrepreneurship in the digital economy. I was the one that was given the joy of going up and getting it. I do feel Thomas should have been there (laughs) getting it, but he was there to witness me getting it. We met the Queen, which was very lovely. But I also think it was, you know, I put out a blog very, very quickly when I was awarded it to all the members of the Academy. So that included you because.
0: Ah, I haven't uh, seen that. You should give us a link at the end. Uh, I'll check it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, every single Academy member trailblazed the concept of friendship in business, and they continue to have that attitude across all of the other networks, even though Academy doesn't exist anymore. I think that an Academy member does stand out as somebody who knows how to build their brand and knows that it's about being friendly and supportive, and as Thomas coined, you know, being open and random and supportive, rather than closed, selective controlling. (laughs) And... um, so, uh, you know, I think that it's an award that all members should feel proud of because, you know, you don't build a community on your own. The community mm. builds a community.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no that's brilliant. Now let's talk about meaningful work and meaningful life. What is your definition of meaningful work, meaningful life?
1: Um, I think for me, it's the definition of whether you're having impact or whether you're just getting up thinking about your own wealth um, and personal success. Um, and, you know, I don't like to put judgments on how people choose to build and grow their businesses. But I think what I witness is there's a lot of people now who feel that there are ways that they can create change and have impact. And those people aren't necessarily business people but they end up using the channel of being a business person to get their message out there Um, but I think people who are purpose driven have their why as Simon Sinek would say if they can align that with how they protect themselves and build a commercial organization or business around them that feeds them I think it can be very powerful but I don't think there are many people that can purely treat it as a charity or as a philanthropic um, way of life, but sometimes a lot of the people that I've coached find it a very um, they find that the, where they find the boundaries between giving their time for free and being paid can be really challenging. So, to me, meaningful work means that you're he- helping others, you're you're having an impact on other people, and you're rising together you know, and you're improving the world together.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: What about a meaningful life?
0: So what, what, how, what, as opposed to what? As opposed to
1: meaningful work. So what oh, would you define as a meaningful life for yourself? Well, for me personally, um, that's being a whole person. You know, um, my, my role as a wife and mother and daughter and sister. And I haven't got a vast amount of times to support a vast amount of friends. Um, I don't think it's impo- possible when you have to work so hard to have a huge network of friends that you support day to day by day. So I have a nucleus of a very close relationship with my family. Um, and then a few friends that, um, we lean on one another. And that to me is a meaningful life, but also one of the things that I discovered when I really started to look into self-awareness around businesses, how little, some people take care of themselves spiritually and physically, Uh, Emotionally, and so um, I think the concept of mental fitness as opposed to mental health is very important. We, you know, we, we, many of us do consider our physical fitness, you know, we make sure that we keep physically fit and we're careful about what we eat. But I don't think enough of us put enough thought into our mental fitness, you know, how we manage our mind and our emotions. You know, so somebody said to me, which I thought was really powerful, you know, we get up and brush our teeth every day so that we don't so our teeth don't come out. But how many of us actually spend 10 minutes a day thinking about our mental fitness and giving ourselves a rest and respecting our mind and our emotions? Mm. So that to me is a meaningful life once we get to the point where we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of the people we love.
0: Yeah, now that's good. So, you know, you mentioned especially like um, the people who do meaningful work, but actually sometimes, you know, don't take care about themselves so you know and it's very good balance to find how to take care of course of other people but also take care of yourself yeah. very we important
1: had a situation actually in the academy that about 15 years ago that really highlighted that to me there was mm. a gentleman we he was a speaker at one of our events and he was being really heralded for all that he was doing overseas mm. after um uh, poverty stricken areas and and um when I sat down with him for a one-to-one, he explained how he had had a mental breakdown, he couldn't work well, um, he had had to scale down his financial life and his family life, and and he went off to find purpose to get, to validate himself. But as a result of this, he was spending very little time with his children and his wife, And his, and he was telling me that his wife was starting to suffer greatly from this, and that he was angry with her because she wasn't supporting his need to support others. Mm. And that's where I thought, actually, you know, charity does begin at home. Yes. You know, you do have, to, you know, we each have a responsibility for the people that, we, that are closest to us. And then and then, once we've fed them and looked after them emotionally, because there's no point in saving one problem over on one side of the world and creating a problem more close oh. at home.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it? Yes. So, when did you realize who you are and what you are meant to do in life? I know this is a deep question, but you know, I want to get your perspective. When, when, when did you finally realize who you are?
1: I think I was about ten. Mm, wow! And, and I'll tell you why. My, I, I came from a lovely family, very dutiful parents, worked hard, and cared for us. But I was the youngest of four, and I was quite lonely. We lived in quite a remote village, and um, and I did spend a lot of time on my own. And I think very similar to most people in my generation. My parents didn't do emotion. You know, they, they, you know, we didn't have deep conversations. So I did spend a lot of my time in my bedroom sorting through stuff in my own head, which had a long-term impact of me being too independent in life, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that. Um But I was very lonely. My three siblings had left home. They were older than me. And I was lonely. And then a family moved in next door with a boy who was very cerebral palsy. So he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't feed himself. He had um, very big spasms um, in his arms. And um, I was just joyous at spending time with him and, I learned at that point that my life was, my joy could come from getting out of my own head and supporting others and, and loving others and caring more about other people because that really gave me a lot of self-worth. And, you know, they say there's no such thing as a selfish, selfless act. You know, Toby, yeah. was a, Toby really brightened my life and made me feel very important and special. Mm -hmm. and um he reduced my loneliness so I always think you know no matter what we do in life if we can do a bit of voluntary work or help others and and if we can find meaning in our work like that and get the joy and the reward of our impact through our work I think that can do a lot to make us have higher self-esteem and Mm self-worth and a sense of belonging
0: yeah, no, I think that's very early. Actually, I tend to realise that. Actually, that's 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 awesome. Um, so, what is one of the toughest moments you've encountered in life, but that has finally um, ended up to be a blessing in disguise?
1: Well, I, I know the toughest moments. I'm I'm coming to terms with whether it was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> um, but academy was. Um, a real, uh, a, a very demanding on Thomas and I, building it um, and maintaining it and supporting the 650,000 members all across the world, all different cultures, different needs. I don't know whether you know that, that film, Bruce Almighty, um, mm-hmm. it's with Jim Carrey and there's a scene in it, he becomes God. God gives him the job of being God because he stands and tells God that he wasn't doing a very good job. God gives him the job and there's a point at which in this room all these uh, prayers come in to him and he can't cope with the noise and so he turns them into post-it notes and they're splattered all over the walls and then he turns them into files and all these filing cabinets suddenly event, uh, appear in a room. Well, that's what it felt like with the academy. Mm. Thomas and I could hear the prayers of all our members and we felt very responsible for them. So it was an extremely exhausting experience. And, you know, we, people knew us, but we didn't necessarily know them. But when we bumped into them on a tube system or at an airport or people thought we should know them because they knew us. And so there was this very exhausting demand on us. And we didn't want to ever look like we had big egos and, and or any of that to get out of control. To us, we were building a business family. So it was a very demanding. And then it became very financially demanding because when LinkedIn and Facebook became more... Prevalent, You know, they were all free and Academy was built on an organic growth of subscription. And it meant that we didn't need to sell your data in order to survive. Um, and it, so it was a very beautiful, intimate community. And then um, there, there was about a four or five year period when it was very tough keeping Academy going um, because the demands were strong financially to us and we sacrificed a lot for our of our own lifestyle to keep it going Mm. and then the toughest moment came when a bank that we had gone to to borrow some money um, in order to change the business model into a free model so that we could pivot it and uh, um, in order to keep it going we had a five-year bank loan and three years into that bank loan is when the banking crisis happened and our bank pulled the loan two years before it was due and and brought down the business. That was, uh, you know, by, because of that, we lost our livelihood. We lost, um, we had taken on a lot of personal debt by not um, paying ourselves whilst we were put, moving the business through. We had three kids at private schools. And, um, and because of that, we went into a lot of financial, financial scarcity that was terrifying. So that was our toughest time. It was a. It was about a five-six year period that was a tough time. Um, in terms of it being a blessing, you know, would I love academies to still be in existence? Yes, I would. I think it was a very beautiful place. Um, uh, but it isn't. Um, and maybe had it continued, and we had achieved the success, um, maybe the demands on us would have broken us completely Mm. Um, but also when I look at my three children there was a point in which Thomas and I were valued at 22 million pounds on paper and we were only 35 and our kids were very young they were all less than seven years old Um, I think for very wealthy people it must be very hard to keep your children's feet on the ground Mm. and as a result of our own adversity financial adversity and challenges our kids have grown up very balanced, um, very hard working, very appreciative, very giving because they were never able to be spoiled and they learned about life and work quite a hard way by losing their own home and seeing the challenges that can happen. That even sometimes hard work can't pay off, mm. um, you know, nobody's entitled to success and seeing us maintain our marriage through it and seeing us know that, you know, at the end of the day, love's been the most important thing for our family. Mm. So I would say that's been the blessing that's come out of it.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's really, uh, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, a very um, good to really remember these. Um, you know, uh, steps to really uh, take that, that element, at least as a positive element that, mm. you know, all the demand that, yeah. So it is, is unbelievable from the external that you don't see, obviously, what's going no. on inside, right? And what you're describing, I think that so many people know academy will not even think about that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is good and brave. And, you know, I think it, it, it is, uh, I think, putting, also showing people that, you know, what entrepreneurship is about is not all rosy all the time. There are tough moments but actually those tough moments can also you know pass and also you can turn them around even when you are at the lowest of the low
1: exactly Sometimes. but also it makes you reevaluate what ambition and success and what your definition of it is yeah yeah a lot of people are drawn you know when I look at the last 20 years there's been a whole generation well probably two generations now that have been drawn into this vortex of I could become a doctor com-millionaire and, and, and being very driven by personal wealth. And, and there probably, I don't know, how many millions of people have got drawn into that? And there are very, very few people that actually achieve financial freedom. Mm. Yet it has become the expectation of most people. And mm. so there are millions of people walking around with a feeling of failure and unrequited success because they haven't evaluated what true success is in life. Mm, and yeah. um, and that's really you know when I Thomas and I are building this mastermind group we've spoken to now over 60 people um, in order to find uh, to fill our mastermind groups and find the right people that we can help that have got the right values the right ambition the right attitude there is a mass of mental uh, pain I would say mm-hmm. not illness mental pain out there of people who have set expectations of their life that. Are very unlikely to have been met and therefore have not really been able to enjoy the day today life that they've achieved
0: mm, yeah no that's uh, really brilliant to you know tell the truth and say how it is actually and for some people to you know speak up and yeah. then they know that this is it's not just them and then they can exactly. find support with your masterminds as well um so looking back at your childhood how has it prepared you to be who you are today
1: um, well, I think I touched on it. It's prepared me to be very independent and very resilient. Um, I have a very good sense of um, the right thing to do, uh, of integrity and honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by not achieving the type of love that I need, I have given more love. And I'm not criticizing my parents by that at all. Um, it's purely that we've, you know, I'm 55 now. So I come from a generation of parents who, you know, the war babies where, you know, they were tough, you know, and and you didn't speak your truth and you didn't share emotions. And the concept of going to therapists or coaches or, you know, you just didn't do that. It was stiff upper lip written. Um And, um you know I that's not good for me but I don't know whether you know if you don't and if anybody listening doesn't know this I absolutely love this there's a have you heard of five languages of love yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so Gary Chapman I think is his name I can't remember the name but yes well known uh... com you can take a little test or yeah. you can get mm-hmm. your loved ones to take it and it's how you want to receive love and if you call love validation yeah so in business you might call it validation I'm trying to remember the five things if I can say it so ones is acts of service mm-hmm. you know do you like people to do things for you to make you feel loved and validated mm-hmm. a quality time touch words of affirmation and gifts those mm-hmm. are the five things and it's really interesting because if I look at my childhood my parents loved me through acts of service
0: uh-huh.
1: they did stuff they were dutiful to me um and they didn't give me gifts, but gifts are not important to me. What I want is touch words of affirmation. And, um, those two things I didn't get very much. Um, and so I suppose what you don't get, you either repeat that same pattern or you think I want to give because I didn't receive. Yeah, exactly. I, I've turned that around. I'm a very love is of most important value in my life. And Building business families and loving and validating business people is important to me and equally so is loving my husband and my children. And I don't want a day to go by where they don't know that I'm that that way for them.
0: Yeah, actually, that's so, um, you know, powerful what you say, because I think that when I ask this question, what actually... transpires is that whether your childhood has prepared you by giving you or not giving you something actually that you recognize now so you are totally aware of
1: that yeah Mm -hmm. and you can be the change but i think what's really important is um i don't really you remember with academy we introduced through an api a psychometric type of questionnaire called ima identify modify and adapt
0: I can't remember that
1: one. So no, it's, it's yeah. based on it's based on the same theories that Myers Briggs okay. and, and everything. So it's based on Carl Jung's sixteen personality types. But yeah, this yeah. is about how do you identify and modify and adapt your communication behaviour. And um, I think what's really important for us to understand, whether it's in a, a a relationship with your spouse or your children, friends, or in business, is that you know people talk different languages in the way they communicate I'm not talking about German French English no of course yeah in the way that they communicate so you know I might say that the most important way for me to be validated is through words of affirmation and praise and applause and telling me that I I made a difference but to somebody else it that might have absolutely no impact on them their way of feeling validated is to win and succeed mm-hmm. and they're success driven in that way it doesn't make them bad and it doesn't make me bad doesn't make me good and then bad you know it's it's just, we have different personality types.
0: Mm. Yeah, and no, that's, that, that's important to recognize yeah. that. I don't know if you remember the Roger Hamilton and his, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you dynamics. know, wealth dynamics uh, and the eight profiles, of course, you know, yeah. if you talk to somebody, a language that they don't talk, so you are really going to bang your head. This is really important to understand that we have mm-hmm. all different way of, uh, you know, op- mode of operating. Exactly. So what what is your superpower, Penny?
1: My superpower, yeah, superpower. Probably, yes, it's um, probably uh, my superpower. I'd probably say empathy. Mm. I've got. I'm quite. I feel things. You know, I feel things deeply. Um, so I'm quite intuitive about how people are and how they feel. Um, so I would say empathy mm. um, would be my superpower. Um, it means that there's very few films I can watch because I've become the person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so now let's talk about money. So sometimes people want to, you know, do what they're passionate about, and, uh, but they find it tough to make money out of it. We already talked about some of yeah. the social entrepreneurs who give, 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 but find difficult to get. How do you
1: make both happen? <laughs> well, I think it's, we make both happen all the I, I time I think it starts with you valuing yourself um, and I write about this actually in my book a chapter called Value Yourself So Others Can Value You because um, a lot of people that are in a have a personality where they want to give and care and support others almost believe that they should do that for free that asking for money is the wrong isn't right but you have to see money as a, an energy exchange so if I have, if I spend an hour with someone and make a difference to their lives, making them feel better about themselves, more clarity, more um, considerate of themselves, give them some skills, um, I have taken 55 years to get to this point in my life. And it's taken a lot of energy for me to learn those things, that, the intuition that I've got. Now, what can that person give me back? Well, there could be an exchange of skills, if I'm, if we agreed that, but actually they equally have achieved energy by having skills and, and they convert that energy into money. So they pay me money, which is their, is how they give me energy. I see money as an energy. And therefore I think anybody, um, in business needs to understand that their skills and the time they put into it, the commitment they have and the knowledge they have and the passion they have should mean that they get paid for that. Mm,
0: that's so beautiful to understand that at an ele- energy level, the metaphor, you're saying energy yeah. is good. So you receive energy, you give energy. So,
1: and yeah. um, I've, I've been plagued with uh, the world of people saying, can I pick your brains? Can I, have, can I buy you a <laughs> coffee? Coffee does not pay <laughs> my rent, it doesn't put petrol in my car, it does not allow me to feed my family. And <laughs> I would love to be rich enough to spend my life in coffee shops giving people time for free, but Very there are good. too many people doing that. There's this whole networking world of building a brand has created an expectation of a free exchange of knowledge, and I'm really strongly believe and in fact I'm building a skills platform to try and combat that because mm. um, I, I just think that, you know if you I think part of it is this imposter syndrome issue when I have actually researched this if you talk to a lawyer an accountant a psychologist anybody or a doctor they mm-hmm. would never give their skills for a coffee mm-hmm. they because they have got a qualification that validates them mm-hmm. but people who have earned their skills by the hard knocks of life and the knowledge that they've acquired because they haven't got that qualification they don't protect themselves Mm. and uh, that's a really big big part of business I think is teaching people that they are in business and that they have value and not to allow that value to be stolen by others
0: yeah that's lovely now is the Last part is the building a movement. Are you creating a movement? If so, what
1: it is? So I think I've always um, created a movement um, since I started being an entrepreneur, which is about friendship in business. Um, but that's deeply, it's about um, how we treat one another in business um, and and have, being kinder to one another and creating safe places to feel like you can be yourself. And so Academy was like that. And now the Business Cafe to me is an extension of Academy. It's the same mountain I've been trying to climb, that I slipped all the way down that mountain and I've had to get new Sherpas, new energy, more oxygen tanks and get myself ready to be able to climb that mountain again. And the movement is about really loving and caring and validating and supporting business owners. Yeah, that's good. So how do you want to be remembered for the- uh, Just by being real. I just mm-hmm. want people to feel that they knew the whole me, not that I ever tried to be pretend to be someone else. And I would like to be remembered for, um, you know, help, yeah, helping people feel part of a community of business people mm-hmm. and, and feeling that they... As a result of that, they had the confidence and the self-worth to build, build themselves beyond what they thought they were capable of.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. If you have to relive your life again knowing what you know, what would you do and what would you no longer do?
1: Um, I would learn much earlier in life how to value myself. Although um, Toby gave me a lot of self-esteem, in business, um, I didn't protect myself. Um, I was far too adapting to everybody else. And um, I didn't take control of my needs early enough in life. Um, so I, I am now Lao Tzu, the philosopher from 601 BC said, to be whole, first allow yourself to break. And last year I allowed myself to break, which was how I ended up writing my book. Mm. And I feel now I'm more whole because I learned a lot of the emotional skills about how to protect myself. And that's what I would change. I would, I would have gone on a mental fitness course early on before I even started business, because I think you can acquire skills, you can create connections, but I think if you don't know how to manage your emotions in business and your mental strength, it makes it a very tough ride. So I am actually working with a psychologist to create a mental fitness for business course. Mm. For people. Um, my book does that. And that's what I would do. I would go back 20 years and I would make sure that I understood, had a lot more self-awareness.
0: Yeah, that's good. So um, is there anything else that I haven't asked, but you feel is very important for people to know when uh, they are trying to live a meaningful life and do meaningful work?
1: Um, I think I was told that there are three parts of happiness. Mm. Um, To to have 100% of happiness in your life, 50% of that is whether you have a happy constitution, whether you're a happy person. And definitely say you are, and I am. (laughs) I'm always happy. I think there are some people that wake up feeling miserable and go to bed feeling miserable and have been feeling that way for years. And I think they need to do something about that. (laughs) Let's assume you are a happy person. That's Mm. 50% of your happiness covered. Mm. 10% is the achievement of the things you want in life. And we have to accept that that will always constantly change. You know, I want a family holiday Well, I get back from that and I want it again, or I want something else. You know, everything, once you've consumed it, you want something else. Mm. 40% is how much control you have over your life decisions. And I think that, you know, my book, The Strap Line is Be the Leader of the Life and Business You Want. And I think that not many of us have actually spent enough time considering um, what things in our life we feel overwhelm and have taken the control of us. And social media can do that to us, feeling like we're not enough. Um, clients can do it to us, working with the wrong type of clients that take control of us. Um, but we need to be in control of our life and feel that we're the decisions we make, the decisions that are right for us. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's what I really want people to get from reading my book and certainly the feedback I get is helping to achieve that.
0: Oh, cool. So now is it time to share resources. Can you share some resources that listeners should absolutely know about
1: how to live Um, a meaningful life? Well, my website is pennypower.co.uk. There you can see how to apply for my mastermind or my coaching or, um, buy my book. I sell my book off my site, which means I can do a signature in it, but actually it's a lot cheaper because Amazon have reduced the price. So it's available on Amazon, but it's also available on Amazon as an ebook and as an audible, if you want to download it and listen to it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's the book's business is personal penny power. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, so how can people
0: reach you and learn more from what you do and uh, your work? Of course, they can go on your website, yeah. but do you have any other ways that you prefer?
1: I'm on Instagram you? and I'm on Twitter. So um, uh, at Penny Power on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook um, and on my website. Okay, cool. I'm going to put all those links in the show
0: notes and I'll thank you so much for your time today. It was a great pleasure to speak to you. And you, great (laughs) questions. That was really enjoyable. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) The show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage, francinebeley.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E b e l e y i dot com slash podcast with all the references and resources shared by penny whilst you are there leave me a message in the comment section to let me know about your key takeaway from this episode if you enjoy this podcast and want to show your love and your support Subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app you are listening to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. It will take you a minute, but it will mean a lot, a lot to me and help me know that it is serving people out there. See you next week again for a brand new episode. Until then, dream, act and make an impact. Lots
1: of love.